Okay. Good evening, everyone. I hope you've had a good week. God willing, everybody should be well. We should hear good news one from another. The uh, central character in this week's Parsha of Ayetze is our grandfather, Lovan. Chazal characterized him as Lovan Russia, an evil person. He's also known as Lovan Haramai, a trickster, a cheater, someone who can never be trusted. But the rabbis went farther than that. We read in the Haggadah on Pesach, Go and see what Lovan wanted to do. Lovan wanted to destroy the entire Jewish people. He's worse than Paro. Paro only destroyed the males. He's going to destroy everybody. But that really is a uh, an insight that at first glance is not easy to deal with. Paro takes Jewish babies and uh, cements them into the walls, throws them into the Nile for the crocodiles. Lovin didn't do any of that. So why did Chazal characterize him that way? Why did they make him, so to speak, the arch enemy of the Jewish people? He's worse than Esau. He's worse than Paro. He wanted to uproot the Jewish people. He wanted that his grandchildren should have no roots. They should not know that they had a grandfather, Yitzchak, and a great-grandfather, Avraham. They want, he wanted that they shouldn't know who they are, where they come from. That's the concept of Lach or Esakol, to uproot. And the famous uh, problem uh, that's always raised uh, how do you educate children that they should have self-pride, uh, good feeling about themselves? One of the answers, they should know who they are. I always mention uh, in the Torah we read, Amor Koanim b'nei Aaron, lahem. Speak to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, and tell them. What are you supposed to tell them? You're supposed to tell them they're B'nai Aaron, that they're the children of Aaron, that they're aristocrats, that they're special, that they're holy. That's what you have to tell them. If you tell them that, then all the other... Uh, Laws that apply to the Kohanim can be told and explained and they will follow them. But if they don't know who they are, and we're well aware how in our time, 
a vast, vast number of Jews are rootless. They have no concept of who they are or how they got here or what they're supposed to do here. And that's really the tragedy. So that destroys the Jewish people because then there's no self-interest in being Jewish because you don't know what it is. You don't know who you are. There was always a great uh, discussion amongst uh, social scientists whether we're the product of uh, genetics or the product of society. In other words, what really shapes us? Our genetic makeup, my, my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, that tells me who I am. Well, physically it does. It tells me uh, basically uh, a lot of physical things about me. Or society. I am what I am because this is where I grew up. This is the school I went to. This is the education I received. This is the neighborhood that I live in. Uh, This is the, the milieu. And that is what makes what I am real. That's a long-term debate. Judaism uh, ignores the debate to a great extent because it believes in freedom of choice, freedom of will. Where you grew up is no excuse for who you are. It may help shape you, but you have the choice. You have the choice to be good or bad. You have the choice on every action in life, whether to do it or not to do it. And that's not influenced by genetics either. Person's parents could be wonderful people and they are awful and vice versa. The Torah purposely tells us that. Terach avi Avraham. The father of Avraham is Terach. If you say genetics does it, then Avram doesn't have a chance. And if you say society does it, Avram doesn't have a chance either. Because he lives in the society of Nimrod and Zdom and wars and conflicts. But Avram has a choice. He has a choice every moment of his life. And because he chose correctly, so to speak, so that's why he became Avraham Avinu. And therefore the Torah tells us that Yitzhak and Rivka have a son, Esau. If you have genetics, how can you have Esau? He's a tzaddik, she's a tzaddikus. In the house of Rivka, all the miracles that were in the house of Sorai Benu, also existed in the tent of Rivka. Rocha Matsuya Beisa, her dough, her bread, it was always a blessing there. Near Dolok Mer Shabbos Lev Shabbos. The candle of Shabbos never was extinguished. 
Tuesday, you already knew it was going to be Shabbos. Onun kosher al there was a spirit, a cloud over the tent of Rivka. You felt it when you walked in. Sometimes when you walk into a home, you have a sensation of the people who live there, even though you didn't meet them yet, and even though you didn't say anything. There's like an atmosphere that permeates it. So Rivka and Yitzchak have an Esau? The answer is yes, because Esau has choices. Esau is not manufactured genetically to behave in one way or another. Just as Yaakov is not. So Esau, it says, Vayigdalu anorim. Last week's Parsha, they grew to maturity. That was his choice. That was the profession that he wanted. He wanted to be a hunter. He wanted to be an outdoorsman. And Yaakov chose to be an Ishtom because we see in this week's Parsha that Yaakov is not a Tom. Yaakov is as shrewd as Lovan. And we'll see in next week's Parsha that physically he is powerful. He wrestles with angels. So we have a picture of Yaakov Avinu Ishtom, you know, is Nebuchadnezzar, you know, a... a Thin uh, yeshiva bacher with thick glasses and uh, you know uh, pale, small. That's not Yaakov Avinu. The Torah tells us in this week's parsha he rolls the stone off the 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 mouth of the well all by himself. It took all the shepherds together to do it, and he does it by himself. He chose to be an ishtom. Yoshev Oholim, he chose to sit in the tent of study. So people are the products of what they choose to do. That is what the Rambam emphasizes this over and over again in the Shmona Prokim and in the Sefer Amado. The Rambam doesn't ever depart from that principle. And therefore, that's why everybody is responsible for what they do, for good or for better, for reward or not. And uh, therefore, uh, Yaakov encounters Lovan. On the outside, Lovan is a great guy. He gives Yaakov shelter. He gives him room and board. He gives him a job. He gives him his daughters, four of his daughters. So uh, uh, on the surface, uh, uh, Lovon is the most uh, beneficent person that Yaakov Avinu ever could meet. 
So then what does it mean, Bikesh Lakor Sakol, that he wanted to destroy Yaakov? The answer to that is, as I posed, that he wanted to show that yeah, there are no roots here, right? Yaakov, uh, Yaakov has no one to rely upon. There's no past, there's no future. You don't need a present and the present, okay, well, then we'll negotiate it. So Lovin cheats him, he cheats him every day of the week. Says, Ten times he changed the deal. And you look in the history of tyrants in the world, you always see that they can never be trusted because they never keep their word, no matter what they say. Basically, they are almost incapable of keeping their word. There are people to whom their word is their bond. I knew businessmen, very, very wealthy and successful, who once they made a commitment, even though the commitment may at the end turn out to be negative to their interests, they didn't go back on it. And I know also from my years uh, when I was a lawyer that there are people that uh, even when you have it a written contract, signed, sealed, and delivered, you don't have anything. Because that also is the power of choice. So Yaakov encounters love. So love looks like a tzaddik. Love wears a big talus. But Lavan is as corrupt as they can be. And in that corruption, he intends to destroy Yaakov as well. Because what he wants to do is corrupt Yaakov. That Yaakov should think that Lavan is the way of the world. That you can't make it in this world being Yaakov. I remember... Uh, my brother, one of my brothers-in-law of blessed memory, uh, taught in the yeshiva in uh, New York. And he, he, he uh, taught uh, in the base medrash. And one year he taught Choshen Mishpat. He taught the laws of business that are implied and described in the Shulchan Aruch. And uh, Towards the end of the uh, semester, when uh, they were summing up what they had learned, one of the young men, the students, asked them innocently, but what if you're in business? Like all of this is very good in the base medrash. All very good theoretically, but what if you're in business? Like how can you be in business and not, uh, you know? And the truth is that it's hard. It's difficult. But that's the challenge. So Yaakov Avinu 
has to see through Lovin. He has to realize what Lovin wants to do. And that's the meeting that he has with his wives. And he says, I know what I know what's gonna happen here. I know Lovin's gonna try and steal everything. Steal everything doesn't mean money. He's gonna steal my future, he's gonna steal my children. He's gonna make them Lovin's grandchildren instead of Yitzhak's grandchildren. And that's a mortal danger. And that's what it means, he wanted to uproot everything. Forget Yitzchak, it's a bottling, forget it. He can't do it, forget, Yaakov can't do it. He's an Ishtom. Oh, well, you gotta be a man of the world. You gotta be loving. And we see that at the end of the Parsha, when Yaakov flees from Lovan. and wants to return to the land of Israel. And Lovin pursues him. Why, why does Lovin pursue him? Because Lovin, that's Lako Esachol, he wants to destroy him by corruption. And Lovon says an interesting thing. He had a vision the night before that Kaviochel, the Rabboni Shalom, appeared to him. And the Rabboni Shalom tells him, be careful. Don't say anything to Yaakov, Mitov, Don't tell him good things. Don't tell him bad things. Don't touch him. Let him go. When Lovon repeats the conversation to Yaakov, it's very interesting what he says. He says, Yesh la'el yodi, I have the power to destroy you. Except that the Lord doesn't seem to want it, so I'm not going to do it. But he's convinced that he has the power to do it, even though the God told him you don't. And that's what implied in the three words, Yesh Lo'el Yodi. I have the power in my hands to do it, all right? What can I do? The, the, the God of your fathers appeared to me and said I should be a nice guy. Okay, so I'll let you go. But I love it. There's got all sorts of complaints. You went and you didn't let me say goodbye to my daughters and you didn't let me kiss my grandchildren. He is Mr. Innocent. And that's the real confrontation that Yaakov faces. Yaakov can face Esav much more directly because it's, it's, uh, Esav does not pretend to be his buddy. Esav comes with 400 men to take revenge. But Lovan, Lovan is the nice Zayde. What are you talking about? And that is what Chazal warned us about. 
and throughout the long history of the Jewish people, it has always been the internal enemies that have attempted to destroy us. They've been the most dangerous, even though the external enemies have taken a tremendous toll amongst us, but not equal to the toll that the internal enemies have taken. They're... Uh, it's shattering. There was a there's a Pew report that just came out on American Jewry. Eighty one percent of American Jewry don't believe in anything. Can you believe that? Yes. It says nineteen percent feel that religion is important. Nineteen percent, the holy people stood on Har Sinai, thousands of years of devotion to Torah, 19% say, yeah, religion is important. 81% say it's not important. Doesn't play any role in my life. And then... Uh, Forty-six percent. I mean, you got to see this Pew study. Forty-six percent said that humor is more important than faith. The Jewish trait to have humor—that's more important to be Jewish than to have faith. So that's lovin. That's lakarisakol. Lovin also believes in the humor. And Lovin is humoring God. He said, you know, God appeared to me, told me not to bother you. I could if I wanted to, okay, but I'm not going to do it. And that has been the story of the Jewish people throughout the ages. I mean, the losses of the Jewish people in the last 80 years to assimilation and intermarriage, are far greater than the losses in the Holocaust. So in the Holocaust, we know who did it. But who did this? Lovon did this, not Esau. And Lovon is more lethal to us than Esau ever will be. And that's because Lakorasako. We wanted to uproot everything. We wanted to destroy us completely. Israel. We'll be just like everybody else. And if we're just like everybody else, then we're nobody. So this confrontation between Lovon and Yaakov, which is the end of the Parsha, is only the summation of the entire 20 years in the house of Lovon. That daily contest between the two. Lovon is subverting him every moment. And Yaakov is attempting to hold on to remain Yaakov. 
And that's why in next week's parsha we'll see that he, his name is changed. Because it's not enough. Yaakov alone can't resist. It has to be Israel. You have to have a greater name, a greater vision. You have to see yourself in a different light. And that really is the um, main, excuse me, the main message of this week's Parsha is to recognize Lovem. And Lovem looks like us. And to a certain extent, there's a piece of Lovem within each and every one of us. But we have to struggle against it. Because if Lovem wins, we are destroyed. We will survive Esau and we will survive Yishmael. All of Jewish history with all of its pains has shown us that we will survive that. But how will we survive Lovem? How will we survive all the ersatz Judaism that exists? All of the fake ideas. All of the new things that are going to revitalize us that only destroy us. And how do we survive people that say, I have in my power to destroy you, but I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm going to let you live. Do we see the danger that lies squarely in front of us? So I think that this is a very important parsha because it illustrates for us the struggle of the ages. It's not just what happened with Yaakov. And that's why the Haggadah says, Every generation there's loving. Every circumstance there's loving. Smooth talking, nice looking, great ideas, college degrees, and he's out to destroy it. And in that realization, uh, we can find comfort that just as Yaakov overcame Lovon, we will also overcome the Lovons that we face and that our society faces. And we'll be privileged like Yaakov was to return whole in body and spirit to the land of Israel and to resume our mission of being a Mamlechus Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh. So I want to thank you all for listening and to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. And please stay well. And uh, Saturday night we have a lecture. And then next Thursday again, a Parsha Shir, Emir Tzashem, stay well, cold to Selah.